Sakuna Show. Hi, this is John Easdale from Dramarama, and you're listening to Radio 8-Ball with your host, Andras Jones. Radio 8-Ball, give us a shake. In the studio, tempted fate. Radio 8-Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions. Like picking musical tarot cards, I am your host, Andras Jones, and we are here in the studio at Clatter and Den in Seattle with Tracy Bonham. Hello. She is providing the oracle fodder for our musical divinations and occasionally, occasionally doing her impression of a Muppet, <laughs> which I think what that just was. And she has just she's been inviting some really fantastic guests to ask questions on this show, and our next guest is no exception. He is a musician who has uh, done some touring, I believe, with Tracy. Let's welcome him to Radio 8 Ball, Johnny Cragg. How you doing, guys? I uh, I think we're doing okay. How are you doing, guys? I'm doing great. It's wonderful to see Tracy again after all this time. It's very nice to see you too, Johnny. Now, when do you what you you toured together? That's uh, yes. you were on some 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 barn burning, rabble rousing. It was the nineties. Yes, yeah. if you remember it, you weren't there. Exactly. <laughs> So what, where, where did you go? And what happened in the 90s stays in the 90s. Absolutely, okay. and so it should. Set the scene, <laughs> set the scene. What was this tour? When was it? Okay, let's see. Well, we did a couple. Yeah. I believe we did a, a kind of club theater tour with Space Hog, and Tracy was our opener. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. after that, we jumped on a tour called Summerland right. with Everclear. And um, seven-year bitch. Seven-year bitch. Right. The mm-hmm. um, seminal. Se- are they from Seattle, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't I know if they so. would prefer to be called something other than seminal. Probably. <laughs> That's such a good word. <laughs> yes. Just. No. They, I don't think they wanted to have anything to do with the semen. <laughs> so notable. <laughs> yeah. But it means planting the seed. Yes. Okay. It? Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. That doesn't have to be a semen seed. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, we we did. Uh, we it seemed like a. Like a, a year of it our lives, like we were on the road together, time. right? Yes. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we got to know each other quite well. <laughs> do you, Don't say anything. <laughs> well, I was going to say. So now, do you have? Do you each have like that embarrassing story of the other one that? <gasps> Johnny, do not do it. I'm not going to go. There. I don't think we remember. <laughs> we don't remember. <laughs> okay. Nothing. What? <laughs> and the reason <laughs> I, I so assume, much older now. I assume the reason that you're not telling the story is because she has an equally embarrassing story of about you. I, I'm gonna play my cards really close to my chest right now, so you have no idea. 
Nothing specific <laughs> comes to mind. Okay. But a good time was had by all. Yes. A Let's good time was had way. by all. Yes. The audiences were were served. Oh, I didn't even delicious know there was music. an audience. It was oh. more like us having a good time. Yeah, at the audience's expense usually. Yeah. Um, no, um, it was a great tour, mm-hmm. uh, or tours, tours. and uh, Tracy proved to be um, a very gamely... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sporting <laughs> touring partner we we just had a lot of fun and yeah. uh, we we just hung out every night and yeah. watched each other's music and yeah. it was all fairly innocent for the most part and no uh, mm-hmm. you know nothing too I don't raucous. believe it but that's okay <laughs> fun and games <laughs> it was you know it was a big it was a big deal was, you know, tour buses and things like that and uh, it was really enjoyable we had a good time Great time to be a rock star yeah. 19, in the 1990s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, are, and you are now based here in Seattle. Which I is am. why we actually, you're our first guest actually in the studio. Yes. It's great to have uh, you here. Thanks for coming out. I couldn't resist an opportunity to come down and, and meet you, first of all, but but just to Mostly connect to with Tracy. Tracy. of course. And um, yes, I lived in New York. I moved to New York in the 90s, uh, moved here in 2014. And kind of switched gears and started studying, and I'm now training to be a psychotherapist. Ah, so I love that. Yeah, as I told you when we were talking before the show, my father was also a, a psychotherapist and a dream psycho- a dream psychologist yes. and a professor of psychology. Yes, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, this uh, this format comes out of uh, is, was inspired in part by the dream seminars he led in which people would interpret dreams as poetry and we interpret poetry sort of like it's dreams so great to have uh, I I hope you enjoy our little psychological musical synchronicity game that we're going to play here so far so weird Um, (laughs) and we should also say you know if you don't want we can cut it out but you didn't come here alone I do and this might also explain why you're being you know, tame. Yeah, and talking yeah, about uh, your touring. I'm <clears throat> doing the the PG version because <laughs> I've got my five year old daughter Domino uh, in the control room up, up to no good. Um, she's in the lollipop basket. She's had <laughs> more than enough lollipops. She's bouncing off the walls right now. Ah, see, so not far. The the, the rock star didn't fall far from the tree. Not really. <laughs> and I was just saying to uh, Tracy that I, I do have two girls, which is in fact karmic punishment for all the horrible things <laughs> I've done to women over the years. So. Yeah. That'll teach me. Yeah. Um, teach you. Well, you yeah. came to the right. You came to the right region to pay your debt to the women of the world. Absolutely. Seattle yeah. is a place where you will get no quarter for your privileged white male cis. Oh, I'm bullshit. I'm, I'm more than aware <laughs> of my privileged male whiteness. I, I, I'm in a, a study cohort with um, 25 women, and I think three men. Wow. Uh, wow, what industry, <laughs> right? Like, that's yeah. just so unfamiliar. It's pretty oversubscribed with uh, with yeah. women, intelligent mm-hmm. and sensitive women. So, um, Well, it's a good thing you're there to explain everything to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah some, someone's got to. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know I don't, where it's going. No. That yeah. was sarcasm. I, oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to go look that up. Sarcasm. I, uh... I can imagine if he tried that, there would be 23 women pointing out that there's a term for that. Oh, it's very interesting how <laughs> things have changed and how, um, as a kind of would-be clinician, there's, there's a whole new hat to wear. 
and uh, there's this you know there's a lot of awareness around men's activities and um, inappropriate behavior these days and part of me as a clinician is like oh, that's terrible you know how could they do that and then there's a part of me that's like well that was every tuesday night in space hog so, <laughs> tuesday yeah and thursday yeah well i mean this is an interesting thing i've heard a lot of people talking about this is that it seems like rock and roll like in the this year of me too rock and roll kind of got a pass mm-hmm. like uh the not the film industry not yeah. politics but pretty much all of them everyone mm-hmm. was hiding under there every things. like pretty much everyone in rock and roll is exposed in that yeah. way like the yeah. just the culture like everyone oh. i mean i guess all of the six like all the 60s guys mm-hmm. we'll leave the women out of it. we'll say that probably the women weren't for the most part, weren't being as bad about this, but I would. But even like Janis Joplin and the female rock stars, you have this. You get power, it's the power of celebrity. You're yep. gonna take advantage because you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, let's just leave that part out of it. There is this, and I, and I don't want. I don't believe in. I don't want to go and. I don't know what the value is in. F- Grabbing and saying, "Oh, well, John Lennon was an awful guy to women," and I mean, he he sang about it. We know it. You know, he was mm-hmm. cruel to his woman. He beat her and kept her apart from the things that she loved. So he's very open about it. But if you go to all of them, you know, and even up through the '90s, mm-hmm. that after a show, you're on the hunt, mm-hmm. and people are showing. Maybe it's because people are showing up, and there's some form of. Like, it's assumed that there's some consent. If you go to a rock and roll show and you go backstage to hang out with the band, you're hanging out with the band, and that's you're part of the culture. The but, ring. right. But I don't know. I mean, it's oh. just, it's an, it's, it's an odd thing. And I've, I've been talking with a lot of my friends who are musicians about it. It's like, how come? I mean, it's, I guess, it feels, I mean, we don't want to have our, have David Bowie torn down, but there's, you know, he probably had some, weirdly not entirely consensual relationships with people who were not over 18 Jimmy Page Paul McCartney like all, mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix all of our these idols so it's complicated yeah yeah it's very complicated and it's coming I think I don't think, you think the rock- I don't think the rockers can hide under the bed forever no yeah no I think there's going to be some more activity. There's more of more reckoning coming. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I I'm hoping. I mean, I talked about it in a previous show that I'm hope I do hope that uh, that we are getting that on the other side of checking the privilege of the bad behavior of the past that we get into extending agency, sort of like what like rather than going after the mm-hmm. people who have done shitty things elevating the people who weren't included and didn't have their didn't get to participate because they were everyone was trying to fuck them basically mm-hmm. sorry mm-hmm. uh sorry it's uh, okay uh, I'm <laughs> you're gonna need to give domino a quarter at least <laughs> she'll be keeping a, a, a dossier i have on I, your cussing i have me. a quarter and i will not uh, I'll, I'll refrain from that <laughs> uh so yeah, so I, I don't know. Uh, this is a, another Radio Eight Ball. It's the place where we start big conversations and then yep. don't finish them. Yeah, well, it's, uh, that, well that one will go on till the yeah. the end of time. But uh, as you said, so now you are in the, you're working in the healing 
arts, the psychological yeah. field. You're mm-hmm. you're getting your training there, and like I said, you're coming up against these, you know, the I guess the uh, the different worlds. Like you had this rabble rock, and I I guess you don't you don't have to have been in a rock band in the '90s to have done I don't know like just unconscious things in your 20s i think that's probably just everyone in their 20s yeah maybe not the kids that are coming up now maybe they're all so they've been raised with anti-bullying messaging and all and consent Mm -hmm. conversations and maybe you know we hope that things are getting better Mm -hmm. if it if it does it'll be because those of us who went through that become elders and are able to set better examples right one would hope yeah do you well you're doing it. You like you say. You're raising two. Yeah, you raised, raising two daughters. Yeah, and there's still, you know, my eldest daughter's twenty, and there's still uh, an environment in which men will take advantage of women, and you know, particularly white men will use that privilege to open doors for them, whether it's conscious or unconscious. Right. Now, I'm just curious. Is this does does this in any way inform your question for the Pop Oracle, or what what what? Are, well, are you ready for my uh, yeah question for the I mean, article? I I think I am. Um, well, my question is this: How will I navigate my future as a mental health clinician? How to na- How will you navigate your future as a mental health clinician? And if you're out there listening. Maybe there's some new thing that you're doing and you can listen to how this may be the answer to how you can navigate this new thing. At any rate, now to engage the Pop Oracle with the help of Tracy Bonham and her beautiful silver guitar, I'm going to ask you to pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card, pick a card, any card, pick it. Song number? Seven. Song number seven. And song number seven is Whether You Fall. That's a great, that's a great, great answer. For it. Are you gonna play this on piano? Yeah, I'm playing on piano. Ooh. Wait for it, Johnny. Okay. Exciting stuff. Whether it's the sunshine, whether it's the rain, doesn't make a difference till you complain. Whether it's the water coming in from the roof Does it piss you off that you're not waterproof And whether you fall means nothing at all It's whether you get up Whether you get up And you hate 
Whether You Fall from Tracy Bonham. Beautiful version on the piano. As the answer to Johnny Craig's question about his, will he succeed in his new field as a mental health clinician? Mm-hmm. Was it, That wasn't the, you didn't use the word it's, succeed. It's like, how will I kind how, of show up? Yeah, how will you, you fare? Know, what's it, what's it going to yeah. look like mm-hmm. Yeah, in a song? Mm-hmm. I thought that was a f- fantastic answer but first Tracy you want to tell us where that song comes from sure um, I wrote it just after um, kind of a trifecta of things that had happened in my life and everyone's life um, so it was uh, 2000 and wow I'm having a brain fart it was after 9-11 2001 okay. um, where 
not only had that happened, but also, um, let's see, I was getting a divorce. I was dropped by my label. Actually, it was a, what's the word for a forfecta? <laughs> There's uh-huh. four of them. And I, w- I was dropped by my label, getting a divorce. Quadrifecta, thank you. Um, 9-11, and my mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer. So all of that kind of happened in maybe less than a year. And I realized, and there were times when I was like, why? And why do I even make music? None of this matters. Why? Um, a lot of my friends were thinking, why? And then this song, you know, I just went up over to the piano, and this song just came out of me. Hmm. So weird. <laughs> so weird. Um, because you were playing that song, and it's a wonderful song, and I'm, I'm like, what kind of a mind comes up with a song <laughs> like that? That's just like so you, but so... Beautiful, but unusual, um, you know, and it transported me back to the cutting room in 2001, and I don't know whether you remember, but you did a show, mm. and I came with my roommate at the time, Michael, and I was in a very similar position. I was going through a divorce, uh, I could say a horrible divorce, a messy divorce, or this divorce, but they're never nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I had lost custody of my then three-year-old child they'd moved back to england space i got broken up and 9-11 had happened and i was just in a horrible place and you played on the piano a stevie wonder song oh my god I don't remember the name of it. It was the... Yeah. Oh, my God. Good on even friends. Oh, my God. And you gave it a whole new twist, and it was my kind of music therapy for the uh, for the year because it just was a real kind of get grounded, get in your body, feel what it feels like to have music run through your body in this way that I think everybody understands, but musicians have a pr- particular... A proclivity towards and uh, it was just a very healing moment for me at that time thank you so for thank you for telling me that i didn't so, yeah. even remember wow thank well you, you were on stage you know you yeah, being even... tracy bonham i was just <laughs> crying into oh. my vodka cranberry or whatever people drink in the 90s <laughs> 2000s <laughs> oh my god crazy yeah wow so what do you think about that as the answer to your question very deep and layered and, and kind of appropriate and and weirdly, um, yeah, yeah. I'll take it. I'll well, take it. I mean, there's there's so many different things that are there. Uh, I'll start with, with the how it relates to, how I think it relates to the question. I mean, whether you fall, I mean, that is, that's therapy. It's, yeah. It's meaning, like everyone, like everyone comes to therapy thinking that they're going to tell you as a therapist something that is you're going to be like oh my god you had angry feelings about your mother you actually didn't like her for a long time like and you come to like it takes so long to say i, I when i was in, a teenager i really hated my mom and, that, and and you're like yes everyone does but you don't go there knowing that. to hear someone else. You know like say it. i you know i did, when i was a teenager i did this thing you know i used to you know and no one wants to talk about, you know, I, I, actually, I don't want, 
I'm censoring myself because I don't want to give. I don't only. I only have one quarter. I can't Indeed. give any more, more change to your kid. But, don't do it. <laughs> but there are some things I think, like the kind of things that you might not say in front of a kid that you don't want to say in front of a. Th- you'd be embarrassed to say in front of a therapist, and the therapist is like, "You don't have to be embarrassed. We safe. every whether you, whether you fall like that's why you're here. You're here because you feel bad about something that you're not letting yourself talk about, and then when you talk about it." It takes a little bit, and someone can look at you and be like, you know, you're still good. (laughs) And to add to that, a lot of therapy is about being held. So it's whether or not you fall. Right. That's the kind of main tenet of therapy is is the intervention is the intervention, and there's different interventions according to different modalities. But being held is kind of like the universal. It's the kind of the old Rogerian kind of everybody's great inside kind of thing you know it's the it's the ability to hold a rapist Mm -hmm. you know a serial child sex offender the worst of the worst you know but but having a a kind of structural systemic um understanding of why that happened Mm. right non-judgment yeah yeah now did you mean it this way when you were writing this because there's something Mm. very clever here (laughs) weather it's the sunshine. Whether it's the sunshine. Whether, whether it's the rain. <laughs> did I don't you, remember. Did you mean that? If I was being clever or not. I don't think so. I'd I think fe- that was a happy That's wonderful. <laughs> I love that. And it reminds me again, it's like uh, that, the, the, it's a, like a foundational psychological test is that thing is, do you see the lady, do you see the vase or do you see the lady? Right. Do you see the vase or the face? Yeah. And... That line has that same quality of whether it's the sunshine or whether it's the rain or like I hear it like it's a happy advertising like <laughs> weather. It's the sunshine. Hey, weather. weather comma. It's the rain. You love it. Weather. <laughs> Wind. Ba, 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 da, ba. Sign up for it now. <laughs> weather. <laughs> but I also think there's I, there is something about that in therapy is that mm-hmm. we come thinking that our internal weather, our rain, our sunshine is like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, but the therapist is the one who says, no, that's what makes mm. you human. Mm-hmm. Whether past, You know, guilt, that's you being human. Mm-hmm. Shame, that's more humanity. Bring <laughs> it on. I don't know. That's, that's what I got out of the song, is that as far as, as, far as a positive answer for your question, this is, this is describing therapy mm-hmm. to me. You know? So I, th- I feel like it's, it's a very mm. positive reading yep. for you. Yeah, it's a narrative mm-hmm. approach to the song mm-hmm. that you yeah. just gave. Yeah. In your uh, explanation. Thank you. Um, like I, the, Our motto on the show is questions answered, answers questioned. So it's not it's a little, sort of a misnomer. I, I ask people to ask questions, but not so that we can get an answer, but so that we can just sort of feel around and get mm-hmm. the reflection of it and see what it can mean. Three different things for three different people. Sure. Sure. So did you, uh, was there anything else that you got out of that before we... I think that's plenty to digest for the time yeah. being. Yeah. Um, is thank there, you. Is there a particular kind of uh, therapy? You know, are you drawn to like work with children or work with? Well, it's funny you should say that, but um, I am drawn to working with the creative communities because I've lived in it for so long. Right. You know, I've been around it for so long. It's home. Mm-hmm. So, and in a way, what you're talking about, you're like you're saying that you are having to face the life that you led 
which maybe wasn't always so healthy or you did things that you don't necessarily feel good about. But that's what gives you strength as a therapist is if you're working with other creative people okay. who have been on those tours, who like who have had the experiences like there's it's what it's what I it's why I love doing this with songwriters is to have this to come to this place because I love songwriting. I love the mechanics of it. I I'm drawn to all of the sort of psychological nooks and crannies around what it takes to to survive doing that. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't do that if I hadn't actually been a songwriter. It's a theme that's come up a bunch on the show, actually. We recently had Paul Zolo. Do you know who he is? I don't. He wrote the Songwriters on Songwriting. And oh, he, I love that book. Yeah. I, that's a Bible, yeah. in a way. Yeah. And he he oh. was on the show, and he was talking about how when he goes to interview a songwriter, he learns their songs. Yeah, he's a guitar that's player. Why so he's such a, he that's learns why how to play a, the song. So oh, wow. he'll so he'll t be talking with him. And he's like, oh, when you change, you go to that D minor there, <laughs> and I just like, well, now all of there's all other people who write about songs can retire or learn to write to <laughs> learn. Just up the yeah, you should ante. you should never interview a songwriter if you haven't learned at least one <laughs> of their songs. And everyone who does is is wow. you know kind of not really showing up but i think it's the same thing like if you haven't like if you're working with creative people having gone on those tours with the things that tracy won't talk tell about you <laughs> because she's it's ready page yeah because friend. you have dirt on her mm -hmm. <laughs> oh well, lots <laughs> but in the in the the confines of a therapy session, not a podcast, you could unpack this stuff, and it would mm. probably be useful mm. for other people who are in their twenties and embarking on this. Yeah, on these it's, adventures, it's about being authentic. It's about being. It's about getting it. You know, before you even do therapy, because the the client's got to come with some level of motivation, or it's not going to work. Right. But they've also got to believe your shit. You know, so that's. Right. one of the reasons but the main reason is just that i'm comfortable around those communities and i like them and i'm interested in them still mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that would that would be the, the the goal right yeah can you see a situation where you were taken out on tour with a band as the band therapist Oh, like with Metallica, didn't they have a therapist? They did. They did a really annoying film about yeah. their therapy, and <laughs> it just made me want to throttle each and every one of them. Um, but that's not the therapist talking. That's Johnny Craig, the human Johnny. being. But if you um, got invited, like if, I don't know, like the police are getting back together and they need a therapist. Yeah, yeah. Van Halen. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to. Someone's got to. There's a lot of. Um, uh, activity talk, uh, literature about mental health in the music industry, particularly in the UK. And, um, you know, I'm keeping a close eye on it. And actually, I have a very dear friend of mine who I grew up with who's working as a clinician with the same populations. So we talk about it all the time. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And he, he gets flown out to, to gigs and, you know, bad things happen. People mm. get killed at uh, big shows, you oh know, my God. like crew yeah. people and you know i mean tragic things do happen you know bands crash right. their vehicles and or maybe just a little thing like stage fright or something yeah i've yeah. seen that in my career as a musician I've, I've worked with people who have really acute stage fright i've worked people with people who have uh, obviously alcohol and substance abuse issues people with add adhd obsessive compulsive disorders all these yeah. things live in the creative communities they're very alive and I often wonder about the people that we've lost 
to suicide and drugs and whether we you know if if we as a community had been more aware we might have been able to do something to help them sustain their careers they might still be making great music now mm. they might have you know nobody wants to hear about a rock star with a a retirement plan or a pension mm -hmm. or three perfectly healthy well-functioning children and a happy marriage but you know musicians and creative communities are entitled to the same things that everybody else is entitled to why why shouldn't they why do we have to feed on this idea that they have to destroy themselves for our entertainment i don't i don't buy it mm -hmm. you yeah. know so that's that's my aim is to just to kind of get in there and mm. you know try and implement some some self-care for, for people that are already vulnerable and the industry's not doing anything to support that vulnerability because it doesn't really exist anymore right right uh, the general public seem to think that it's perfectly fine not to pay for music anymore and spotify seem to think it's perfectly fine not to remunerate the artists so we're living in a in in dangerous times for for musicians mm -hmm. in particular they, yeah. they, they need to be supported by the public and by clinicians. Yeah. And, and by, by each government. other. Yeah. And, and by, by each other. other. Yeah, yes. and there's there's a lot of things, you know, there's there's places, you know, musicians can can help themselves. They can self-maintain and self-govern organizations where they can they can just check in and take care of each other. You know, that that can be done too. And that doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to do my little part mm -hmm. here. You know, I think that there yeah. is a that there is a. I think there's a therapeutic value for songwriters in knowing that once their songs come through the speakers into my car or into whatever into my headphones, they're really about me. And so, I think it's the I think it's the one way that most songwriters don't get to experience their music. You get to have people cheer for you. You know, people will give you their money. That's nice when they buy your record and they take it home and you know you set certain numbers okay well that's in someone's world that's good mm -hmm. but you know how personal a song can be for you and so when you know this song didn't have anything to do with psychotherapy when you wrote it but when it lands in our in my life it does mm -hmm. and for as a songwriter to get that sense of how much bigger the song can be far outside of your when anything that you can do once you've put it out there and i just feel like that's a, I, I feel like that's so important i just to get not that we don't know that it happens but to actually get the reflection of this is what your song means to me and a very selfishly like it's not even really your song anymore i mean it is of course you get the credit and you get the royalties but you don't get you don't know how much it means to me in my car when I'm listening to it right. and I'm driving mm -hmm. along. And I know, I mean, we've had, when we did had you at the live show, we had people come out to the show and they were just, this woman was just shaking and mm -hmm. crying mm -hmm. to be in the same room as you. And you know that that is the power that of your music in her life, mm -hmm. very personal to her. So, you know, I, I feel like there is something, the great thing about being artists is that what we do is therapy for us mm -hmm. and for other people. Yeah. And music in itself is healing, so... Yes, very much so. Yeah. Well, I'd love to keep going, but we have to we have to keep Mo's in and you know, Domino probably has <laughs> eaten all of the lollipops and is gonna be yeah. up until about yeah. five in the morning. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you got a nice night ahead of you. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, and check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time... I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Ball Show. It's a good show. <laughs> <laughs>